daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello and welcome to the Sander Pit, the podcast that is sneaky, 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 sneaky. What's that from? It's from Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Oh, I yeah. can't wait for that episode. Classic it's moment. Good. It's it's another one of those weird things where, you know, I don't know if you ever had this, but like the first time you see an actor in a film, and then no matter what they do going forward, you always associate them with that film. Yeah, John. Turturro, I will always think of him as Emilio the butler from Mr. Deeds, which is yeah. insane. I have that problem with Brian Cranston. He's always the uh, dad of Mark in the Middle, in the even middle, when he was yeah. in Breaking Bad. Yeah, he was always Ooh. dad of Mark in the Middle. Ooh. I've got a few of these films as well. Steve Buscemi, I always think of him in Big Daddy as well. Yeah, same. Yeah, which is Agreed. mad because um, he's done so much more impressive stuff than sit on the ground and talk about McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> so I'm Luke and he's also Luke. I'm also Luke. And we're here as the Sandler Pit, the podcast yep. where we are trawling our way through the back catalogue of Adam Sandler yeah. and deciding whether his films should be celebrated in the Sandler Castle or if they should be chucked in a metaphorical hole in the ground called the Sandler Pit. How are you today, Luke? I'm good. I am very tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm all autumned out already, I think. I'm just so fed up. I could just do with like a laugh <laughs> riot to watch. How yeah, How uh, I'm good. I'm sorry. This is going to be probably one of our most low energy intros because I'm also really tired. I've spent the whole day going all around Sheffield and Rotherham uh, looking for a new car. But yeah, I'm the same. I could do with a laugh right now. Do you <laughs> what think we we're going to find it? I I don't know honestly. Um, so this week we're going to be watching uh, and talking about Punch Drunk Love, the 2002. Paul Thomas Anderson film starring Adam Sandler. Have you seen this before, Luke? I really can't remember if I've seen this or not. Oh, really? When I was younger, I seeked out all of Adam Sandler's films and tried to watch as many as I could. And I know I definitely, I've seen all of his comedy films from, uh, I've seen some of Going Overboard. I couldn't make it through the whole film when I was younger. I just didn't (laughs) have the patience. And I know that I went up to maybe like his 2000 and six maybe that sort of time watched all of the comedies up until that kind of yeah up until like click and longest yard and stuff i remember watching rain over me and spanglish i know i've seen those but i can't remember anything about spanglish and this one i'm never too sure if i've seen it or not hopefully it will jolt my memory but i don't think i have seen this you know yeah i've definitely not seen this one but this one i've wanted to watch for ages like i'm quite excited to to watch it mm. um so every week we have the sandler scale which is our bingo sheet with typical sandler tropes which is going to be a bit of a weird one i guess for this week yeah because really those tropes are as much as we call them Sand- yeah. the sandler scale really it's kind of it's also a madison. madison yeah viewing a way to view films in the way that they make films because they're all they all boil down to pretty much the same things I'm going to incorporate this into a bit of a game 
so this week we're going to have our normal soundless scales as always. I'm going to remove all the actor categories though, yeah. um, because we're not going to get. I'm maybe I'll be shocked, but I don't think we're going to get a Nick Swardson, uh, a Blake no. Clark, a Jonathan Loughran or Lochran, Peter Dante. I don't think we're going to get any of that. So we're going to see how many tropes it hits, and then we're going to play a game which I like to call Make Mine Madison. This is a new segment. Whenever we touch on Sirius Sandler, we're going to try and see, we're going to look at our Sandler scale and we're going to see how we can make this kind of well-received drama, lowbrow, happy Madison fodder, uh, which I'm quite looking forward to. I think that's good. That, so that's our replacement for the Sandler games this week. Yeah. It's probably going to be the opposite of improving upon it. <laughs> we're going to ruin this film. <laughs> Yeah, last week we really tried to improve Sandy Wexler, turn it into a Joker-style drama, but this week we're going to do the opposite. We're going to make a well-received comedy drama. We're going to make it dumb and uh, horrible, (laughs) so that'll be fun. I like the sound of that. What do you know about Punch Drunk Love? Nothing. I know that it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. He's a director that... So I've seen Inherent Vice and I've seen (laughs) Phantom Thread. Yeah, we and went I... to see Inherent Vice together, didn't we? So we saw Inherent Vice together, yeah. And... With our friend Jack. Yep. And... and you were sat there eating like popcorn or something. <laughs> and there was this long drawn out scene where Owen Wilson's talking at like a quiet whisper in a nightclub or in like a bar. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he's whispering and he's like, hello there, welcome. So you're asking me what side am I on? He says that. Do you remember that? That's that's, that's a, a trailer, trailer line. line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the exact I remember from that fucking film. In that scene, you fell asleep and you were snoring really loudly. Very loudly snoring. In... <laughs> With your head back. <laughs> Holding popcorn. It's your quite head back in the chair like an old man. just. <laughs> and it was a yeah. very loud snore. I used to be quite bad in that era. Like, I think if you uh, if you ask Jack, I think he, he'll always tell you about how I, like, I used to be really loud in the cinema. I used yeah. to, uh, I remember watching The Hobbit I laughed really loudly at the reveal yeah, that a not funny bit, <laughs> a not funny bit that uh, this picture of uh, his what did he say? He's, so it was a dwarf, and they were like, "This is an ugly w- wife or something." Yeah, like, that's not like, my wife. That's my wee son Gimli, and it it got a big laugh from me. I gave it a Sandy Wexler Sandy... laugh. I went, "Ha ha!" <laughs> there was a time when um, Emma, my fiance, said something like, "God, you breathe loud," or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we were watching in Interstellar. One. She was like, "You breathe loud." So yeah, <laughs> and there was the one when you'd had nachos in the in the cinema as well. You were just like crunching your way through the first thirty yeah, minutes so of a film. I was a little bit of a, a Jill back in the day. You know how yeah, Jill is here when she's at the cinema. Uh, I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot better now. But well, we've got yeah. no proof of that, have we? It's it's <laughs> easy to not be a nightmare at the cinema when they're all closed and you can't go to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that, we went to watch Inherent Vice and. I walked out thinking that was a nightmare. Mm. I remember seeing the trailers and thinking it was like a cool, like a really cool yeah. film about like a detective and stuff. And I just, it just really didn't do anything for me. Not a good film, not memorable. Yeah, Same here. Trying to do my things. Stylistically might've looked cool, but I found it dragged and it was boring. And I feel exactly the same about Phantom Thread, which is a film with Daniel Day-Lewis playing a dressmaker. And it was, yeah. it was like the unloved darling of the oscars that it got like a lot of nominations i don't think it won really anything but people were talking about this film as if it was the greatest film ever the people that did see it loved it 
in my head, I feel a bit like Michael Newman in Click when he thinks that they're playing a prank on him. I feel like this film's a prank. Uh, where's the hidden cameras? <laughs> hey? Where's the hidden cameras? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm like. When everyone's saying, oh, Phantom Fred's fucking brilliant. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to Empire and yeah. stuff. And they're saying, oh, it's a great film. It's a classic. Great performance. So darkly funny and all this stuff. And I'm just thinking about being sat in the cinema and looking to my side to my friends and being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And all it of was us... no Big Daddy, was it, mate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was not Big Daddy. It was not Huey <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> it wasn't a single fart joke. Yeah, so... yeah, I just didn't enjoy the film at all. And I think they're all indulgent pieces of crap. And I don't, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't like... From what I... So the thing is, I haven't seen There Will Be Blood, which I think is his big celebrated film. Yeah, me don't get either. me wrong. I think his films, they look... They look really good, so, like really well shot. Like the costumes and everything about it looks good, but I don't think for me, just just for me as a viewer, his sort of stories don't ever really deliver what, what I'm looking for in a film from these two yeah. that I've seen. I'm not coming at this from someone who's seen all of these films, so I can't go critiquing yeah. it really in detail. Um, yeah, I'm almost you. the same as you, but um, I saw Inherent Vice with you, didn't like it, and I've never seen any of his other films. And I've been meaning to watch this one and There Will Be Blood for years, and I've put it off. Yeah. I have heard people say that Punch Drunk Love is his like underrated best film. From little bits I've seen, like I think I saw a, a clip of Adam Sandler like punching a wall, and it looks quite good. I'm quite excited, it's, and it's quite short. It's only 90 minutes. I think that's that's the thing about yeah. it that makes me think that I'm probably going to enjoy this one because after Sandy those, Wexler being so long, yeah, that's such a long film, and also those other films by the same director were also in the two to three hour range, I think. Yeah. So I think it's hard for a ninety minute film to drag as well. So hopefully it should be good, and it is. It does get mentioned a lot as being a good film, doesn't it? In yeah. terms of Sandler's performance, a lot of people say it's his best. It's still a comedy, isn't it? But I think it's just not as on the nose. I've heard someone describe it as um, it's as if like one of Adam Sandler's like crazy, uh, manic, angry characters was a real person. Like if Happy Gilmore, who's a really angry, angry man with these horrible anger management issues, if he existed in the real world and how unlikable and like how many problems a person like that would have in his day-to-day life so yeah because of that i'm i'm really excited for this one um i yeah. hope that this doesn't make me sad when i'm listening back and i've hated it because i'm i'm quite hopeful about this one um, yeah me too actually i'm i think of the last few weeks i think this is the the one that i think might actually be like a genuinely good film as well as being a good sandler film hopefully yeah hopefully so i've got my fingers crossed um, yeah me too last thing i'd say is how how many of the tropes do you think that this is gonna happen? i really don't think it's gonna hit many um i've said before i think about other films that i think are going to be deceptive uh, this one i think is going to go in a bit of a different direction i feel like shouting and screaming sandler will be present i don't know about anything else but i that's why I'm interested to play it again, uh, because I want to see if they can turn this Happy Madison kind of fart jokes, if they can make that serious. I'm I'm quite interested. I reckon there's there's a good chance that he might somehow try and force like just one of his friends into it. Maybe like Alan <laughs> Covert might be in a, a scene or something. Rob Schneider shows up. A hundred percent. I'm not going to miss Rob Schneider playing like another ethnicity or whatever. Oh, I do hope like a Peter Dante or someone like, or Jonathan Loughran or Loughran appears like um, yeah, the kind of niche ones. Yeah. Yeah. The real fans like me and you, <laughs> we don't want this 
Oscar bait. We want to. We want Jonathan Lofgren or Lochran. I think we're ready to go and watch the film. Yeah. Meet back so. afterwards to talk about it and see where it ranks in the Sandler Castle or the Sandler Pit. Yeah, definitely. See you soon. You are now listening to the Sandler Pit. I'm looking at your face and I just want to smash it. And we are back from watching Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson's yes. Punch Drunk Love. A very different film compared to what we've been watching in the last <laughs> however many episodes that it's been now. So what did you think of Punch Drunk Love? So I think we should talk a bit about what the film actually is up front. Yeah, um, good idea. So Punch Drunk Love follows Barry Egan. That's Adam Sandler's character. He works at this company where I think he's selling toilet plungers, but it's never really explicitly I think it's, said what he's doing. I think it's like novelty plungers or novelty products of, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not really clear though, is it? it no, just it's sort not of, clear. But that's just more like background noise. So this isn't, you know how like in the other films, in the first 10 minutes, they'll explain the setup, what's at stake and all of that stuff. It's not one of those kind of films. Um, it follows Barry as he seems to be battling some kind of anxiety or some form of depression, maybe, where he's he yeah. gets very angry very easily and just lashes out at like his family or any element of glass that's nearby. Um, and... So it follows sort of micro stories. There's not really a big through line story, is there? I think there is. The the fact that he gets targeted by scammers because he's so depressed and lonely, he contacts a, a sex hotline. And then it turns out that's actually a, a scam run by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And when he refuses to give them more money, they start threatening him and, and coming to California to to kind of attack him. And that's kind of... That's probably the most, the big through line. That and his romance with Emily Watson's character. Yeah, so there's the, I, I, yeah, I agree. They're the big storylines. But even then, the scam thing happens. I think that storyline actually starts about 40 minutes into it. And yeah. It's only an hour and a half film. So like it starts halfway through it. But before that, you've just got lots of build up about this guy. And he's basically all of these problems. And it's it takes a long time to sort of paint the scene, but it gets you used to, this guy and his sort of struggles and stuff and then it all just builds up and it's it's very different from what we've seen before from Sam. Yeah, basically. very different. I'd say it's more in tune with Uncut Gems, but even then it's quite different from that as well. In yeah, terms it's of quite his performance, it's similar. Yeah, what did what did you think of it? Uh, I didn't know what I would think of it because like we said in the intro, I'm not a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan, but I've only yeah. seen one of his films. I loved this film. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I really, really liked it. It just shows how good Sandler actually is at acting. Um, and apparently Paul Thomas Anderson said years before that, I think in like 1995, that Adam Sandler and Daniel Day-Lewis were the two actors that he really wanted to work with more than anyone else. And they all thought he was joking, but then obviously he's made this. So it's obviously something that the director was really passionate about, like getting him on screen kind of playing a similarly flawed character to like a happy Gilmore but it's it's really depressing and sad the way that Adam Sandler acts as Barry um, and how like he's got this horrible anxiety and yeah I just thought it was really good and it was quick and short I really enjoyed it uh, what about you um, <laughs> I don't think I could say I enjoyed it 
I don't think it's the film you oh, do enjoy. No. This, I don't think this is a film that's made to be enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. What did you enjoy about it? What were you sitting there I... like laughing your way through it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like you say the only films you can enjoy are ones that you're chuckling at all the way through. No, but like like Schindler's List. If yeah, you I don't enjoy that... Schindler's List either. Oh right, okay. Well if you there's do, like you're a, a level of I don't know. I love the cinematography, the music, the acting, Mm. the story, the script. Like there was nothing in it I didn't like enjoy. Yeah. Um, So I think uh, I think I made it quite clear in my intro that I'm not a fan of the Paul Thomas Anderson stuff that I've seen, and this hasn't really changed that. I'd agree with you on at least like seventy percent of that stuff. To be fair, I think I liked the way it was shot and the way it made you feel. I think that worked really well. I think it did evoke a good sense of anxiety. I think it puts you in his perspective pretty well, like the weird music that's really loud and uncomfortable. It felt very of that time, the early noughties, late nineties feel of like David Lynch films where you're just on edge and they sort of play with stuff that you kind of know, like romantic music being really loud and it kind of drowns everything else out, even though nothing really romantic is happening on screen. So like the bit when they get kicked out of the restaurant, I think all of that stuff that worked quite well for me, but I felt like this could have been a really good short film or something like a, a big, like award winning short film. But I don't think, even though it was a short hour and a half long movie, I think it stretched that to be honest, I'm kind of trying to fight to stay off my phone and stuff like that. Oh, really? So did you think it was like a, it would have worked better as a short film then? Definitely. I think so. I think, I was thinking that at the start, but yeah. then I, I did really start liking the uh, the sex hotline storyline. I thought that was really interesting. That was definitely uh, my favourite part of it. I, f- I think that's the part they could have stretched out a lot more and delved into it and mm. had them playing more sort of mental games with him and stuff. I know obviously it pushes him to a, a big point, but it's also one of those films where you can imagine if it released nowadays, people would be writing like tons of articles like, did this really happen what part was in his mind and all that stuff because there's a bit where they're driving in a car and then this gang come out of nowhere the brothers that have been hounding him they crash Mm. into the car and calls um is it lena is that his love interest Um, yes i think so played by emily watson emily watson yeah um so they calls her to have like some cuts on her head and stuff and she gets put in hospital for a little bit sandler gets out of the car with and he grabs his (laughs) um crowbar iron or whatever and he gets that and just like smacks these guys around the head and like knocks them out and i think this is on his driveway it's a tire iron tire iron that's the one yeah weapon of choice um, <laughs> so he yeah he he whacks these i think he whacks three of the brothers and just leaves one in the car mm. he leaves him <laughs> leaves him unscathed so i'm guessing that guy probably picks up the bodies of his brothers and drives off but for a big thing like that to happen on your driveway you'd think there'd be some form of consequence but we don't see any of this and a lot of it just feels very sort of dreamlike. I think that which I love. The, yeah, I do. I do like a lot of films like that, but there was just something in this that it didn't a hundred percent do it for me. That's fair enough. I I think out of the films of Paul Thomas Anderson I've seen, this is definitely uh, the one I enjoyed and appreciated the most. I think what a lot of think... it works, but a lot of it doesn't for me. That's fair. What do you think was the most Sandler part of the film? Like, if we're thinking about the works we've seen of his before the bit where he tears up the bathroom i think oh really really spoke about yeah that i've got another bit which i thought was was really uh 
Sandler, and that was when he's running and he's just doing that crazy scream. That was weird. That's that's the thing that <laughs> see. I know you say about this film shows the things that Sandler can do, but there was a lot of parts of it where I was like, I think that this guy isn't convincing me as a serious actor in this. Really? Yeah, I like I like him, and I do think that he can do serious roles. I liked him in Uncut Gems and Rain Over Me as well. I remember really being quite fond of how he acts in that film, but. In this, I think because he really is towing the line between being like a Happy Madison character. When he was running and screaming, I was like, it could have been in a Saturday Night Live sketch. It felt, <laughs> it felt just a, a bit too far. It felt cartoony. But for me, I loved that it was that cartoonish characterization that he does in like all his films. But this time, it's like sad and weird. And because it's happening in the context, it's happening. So it's happening like he's getting chased by these brothers who are extorting money from him. And it's a serious situation, but with his like typical like comedy things he'd usually do. Yeah. And because it, of the new context, it's way weirder. And I don't know, there was something about it that really worked for me. Uh, but I completely yeah. get if you didn't like it. And also, I don't know how many people I'd recommend this to either. No, I wouldn't rush to recommend it. I yeah. think it is more of an interesting watch rather than a yeah. enjoyable watch. I think I, I appreciate it, but at the same time, I would definitely say it gave yeah. off serious, pretentious film school bullshit yeah, definitely. vibes. Which if you... it's fine. There's a place for that sort of thing, isn't there? And that place On this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it reminded me, so earlier this year, um, I watched... Uh, Synecdoche, New York, which is the uh, Charlie Kaufman film, and that stars two of the people from this. It's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and then Emily Watson's in it as well. And I loved it. I thought this is a so good, and I recommended it to so many people. And I had a few friends who watched it, and they sent it back uh, how much they hated it, and they said this is the one of the worst films I've ever seen. And I feel like it's very similar here. I think I've learnt my lesson. I don't think I'd tell people to watch it because. I feel like people will either love this or hate it. It's a bit of a a bit of a Marmite yeah. film, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. They're saying that I'm kind of in, I'm really on the fence about it <laughs> rather than hating it. Yeah, I get what you mean, definitely. Yeah, I think I think there's enough to appreciate, but it kind of misses the mark for me. I think a lot of the stuff feels very wanky. Having the <laughs> the weird transitions that were like these sort of like tie-dye arts and stuff just didn't do anything for me. I was like, what? Oh, did you not like it? No, because it's just like he's trying to say I went to film school and I've seen these like German whatever they whatever they are I can't remember the the name for it like expressionists surreal, ex, and, yeah yeah just I don't know I I like it on I a display in an art gallery but don't put it in a random <laughs> Adam Sandler film I don't know I I liked it was a different interpretation of those kind of characters he plays I thought the kind of uh, transition scenes were kind of interesting they weren't my favorite part of the film but. I think they took, I don't know. You, took me out of it quite a lot. I think that's more what it, what it is. I don't know. I just thought it was a really good look at like isolation and depression and, and his like character is quite interesting because he's so unlikable, really. Yeah. But you kind of do root for him a lot. Like and mm. I felt mainly just I felt really bad for him. Um, I don't think I did root for him in this one. Did you not? I think this was not quite Michael Newman levels of going out of his way to <gasps> be a dick. But there was like parts where... I think he was a psycho in this. He... I know, but that's the thing. Like he's he's like someone who's deranged and why does root for him then? I don't think he I don't gave know. You it's any because he's more. He's a lot more vulnerable than like Michael Newman, 
<laughs> our favorite michael newman he's like a horrible businessman who's got a beautiful wife and a perfect family but he doesn't appreciate anything and he attacks kids yeah. but he's still portrayed as a hero but here <laughs> we've just got a really sad hated man who's lonely so he's like a really sad lonely depressed man who's got something wrong and he doesn't know who to talk to and it's i don't know he's a lot more sympathetic than michael newman who's just a, a total mm. shit i i don't think that you can say that a guy who follows a woman to hawaii and then he's on top of her about to kiss her oh yeah and he says to her i'm gonna smash in your fucking skull or something like that he says i'm look i look yeah, at your face and that. i want to smash in your skull you just said you sympathize with this man the one person that's shown him love <laughs> oh you got me fbi yeah. agents are gonna come in the <laughs> yeah exactly i'm sending Take this me. in you go to, to jail <laughs> he's a wrong one, um, right the guy's wrong it reminded me a little bit of um I think we mentioned this last week as well, so it's a bit <laughs> repeated. Uh, it reminded me of the Joker a bit, like um, yeah, that, when he's like he's in like the a weirdo, <laughs> doing his yeah, penguin dancing. dance in the supermarket. Yeah, he's dancing, and then also the love interest who inexplicably really likes him. I think you could say that if this is Paul Thomas Anderson sort of parody in these, he's known for loving Adam Sandler comedies as well. Which yeah. I, I like that because it shows that he's not all pretentious all the time. At least he likes lowbrow stuff too. But <laughs> I think that could be easily a parody of every love interest in the Sandler films that seem to fall for this crazy guy. But at the same time, I think that she was shown as being quite weird as well, wasn't she? She was like stalking him and obsessed with him. At the start of the film, you know, when he's going to buy pudding from the shop, apparently there's a there's someone kind of out of focus in the background yeah. and it's her like following him yeah i read so that. i thought it was an old man when i was watching the film yeah <laughs> i didn't even really notice it so she's kind of and she says that she you mentioned the sledgehammer scene when he's like i want to smash your head in but she's also yeah. like i want to take your face off and put your eyes in my mouth and chew them and yeah. it's they're both like quite suited for each other because <laughs> they're yeah, both a bit a bit off. They should both be on a watch um, list. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in this film? I thought he was really good in it, and that's. I think this it's really good. Maybe this is my biggest problem: is that that storyline was definitely my most interesting part of it. I think, mm. and I don't think you get enough of it because he's he's in. I think three scenes max, and two of them last about forty seconds or something like that. It's just him giving orders and yeah. stuff. I think they could have really... It's a bit of an anticlimax with it as well. That didn't do it for me. The, the resolution was just that he shouts, that's it, and then walks off. I thought that was all really funny. I thought it was going to build up to something really big. Mm. But it just didn't build to anything. It just built to him. It wasn't like he'd overcome any demons and stuff. I don't think every film needs a big resolution, but it would yeah. have been nice to see something result from that. I would have I was actually... it been a really horrible ending, like him losing all of his money and stuff. Like That would have been better. Yeah, I wrote down, like, he's definitely going to die. And then he doesn't. Yeah. And it's just, it's got like a happy fairy tale ending. But I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I like the fact that it's got this weird, happy ending that doesn't feel earned at all. Like, we talk mm. about unearned, heartfelt moments in, in a bad way. But this one, again, if we're say, taking this as a parody of Adam Sandler comedies, which are all unearned, heartfelt moments, this does that, but it kind of turns it on its head. It's just weird and anticlimactic and i really liked him and i really liked the scene when they're both screaming at each other down the phone yeah because he's yeah that was he's my one favorite of the scene i think 
Yeah, he's one of the be- best actors who ever lived. And then the fact that Adam Sandler is doing just as good in that scene, uh, it just mm-hmm. shows how, I don't know, like you said, you did like his acting in some bits, but I thought he was brilliant mostly. I think that was one of the bits where I thought that it was really highlighting Adam Sandler being a cartoony, like almost one note character, to be honest. And I think that the fact that Philip Seymour Hoffman was so good and he could have been in like a departed Scorsese-esque film at that moment, you know, the way he was acting so like yeah. threatening, even though you, you don't really know anything about him. You don't, don't know, know if anything, he is yeah. actually threatening or not because he's just operating out of a mattress shop, isn't he? He's like a, yeah. <laughs> a mobster in this sort of like cover-up <laughs> business. But he's so like threatening and sort of mysterious. So maybe it's good that you don't get more of him before that point. I think the way Adam Sandler's just shouting back to him as if he's doing like an SNL sketch. I was just a bit not sold on that really? side of it. Yeah. Oh, I had the exact, this is the first episode where we've disagreed. That, <laughs> how weird's that? We've had Hubie Halloween. We've had all sorts. Big Daddy. Yeah, they're they're crowd yard. pleasers, aren't they? We're a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I found him really, he was really watchable in it, Adam Sandler. Cool. It wasn't like, oh God, this is shit. Why is this happening? But there was just a few points where he was doing some stuff. Like I bought into all of his anger when it was like solitary anger. I think when it was him acting against other people, just because we'd seen him be quite shy and awkward, when he did that sort of letting loose thing, I was just a bit like, he's just pushing it maybe a bit too far over the line that it's becoming cartoony. Whereas if he'd held it back in and sort of did it in like a a restrained way instead of like chewing up the scenery, I think I would have appreciated it a bit more. That's fair. That's fair. What did you think of the uh, scene when he kicks the the windows uh, near the start? At the party? yeah, because he has seven sisters and they all like, they're quite rude to him um, and they keep bringing him down and being horrible about him. They and keep calling this, him gay boy. They keep calling him gay boy, which was a kind of <laughs> a bit of a saddlery kind of joke. Yeah. But like that whole scene when they're just kind of subtly insulting him and you can just see how, I don't know, it's just building up this tension. And then at the end of that scene, he just absolutely punches and kicks these uh, patio windows through. Mm-hmm. And it like, and makes yeah, you just, jump, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just really unsettling. It's the same, like we mentioned, the bathroom scene. He's just these really unsettling moments. And the whole film is a bit like, it's just watching something getting more and more wound up and then yeah. suddenly a huge burst of anger. And I, I don't know, it really uh, it really worked for me that. I, like, I think that scene was really good where you see the anger boiling up in him and then he has a bit of a breakdown doesn't he after he so he yeah. the windows and sort of asks uh, his dentist brother-in-law yeah that's my like, be his therapist or whatever <laughs> i wrote down that's my favorite quote when he's like i don't like myself sometimes can you help me barry i'm a dentist <laughs> yeah that was good i think that that's one of the good dark comedic moments i think mean, they're they're quite few and far between in this but that bit really works yeah I think that's really funny. Yeah, I liked when he kept getting his name wrong as well, um, uh, mixing letters up in words, and yeah, just he's just so such an awkward because he's like a I think he's men have like social anxiety and mm-hmm. he's a very awkward character, and I just feel like yeah, he does a lot of it, particularly like when he's having the conversation with the uh, sex line worker, and it's really good. And I also love, and it's very similar in Uncut Gems, where they have loads of things happening at the same time and it's just really Mm. stressful like there's a bit in his office when his sister keeps talking to him asking him why he's got a suit on why he's got pudding in his room um and she just keeps asking the same questions and then the phone keeps ringing which is this extortionist trying to get money from him and then his uh love interest keeps 
trying to talk to him. And then in the background, his warehouse is getting smashed to bits by a forklift truck. And it's just, it's really good the way they show like just constant noise and sound and things. It just makes you feel like how he's kind of feeling. Yeah, I think that scene's really good. The sensory overload sort of stuff. Every every time he's at work, the scenes are really uncomfortable, aren't they? They're yeah. sort of long takes and the sound is hectic. So I think that stuff works in the way it evokes feelings. At the same time, there's a lot of things that they're either not explained or they're random and they sort of feel like they're there just to draw out the film and make it longer. You know, there's like a random instrument that he finds and has in his office. And that's like a recurring thing throughout the film. Yeah. But I just felt like that was pointless. It didn't really do anything. I don't but it, I don't know if I'm just symbolic. missing symbolism, but it's like isn't it meant to be i don't know like it's a good there's so much noise in the film and that's the only noise he can i don't know it's like the only thing that he has is like an instrument that he doesn't know how to play and i feel like him not knowing how to play this instrument and there's bits when he's at his work and everyone who he works with uh, they're speaking spanish but next to him and he doesn't understand them it's kind of showing how he doesn't get the situations he's in and then at the end of the film the love interest is with him and everything he can play it i don't know i feel like it's just showing he can't do something so he can't like act in society that's how i interpreted it hmm. but i'm a pretentious boy <laughs> yeah i just think they could have done something better rather than making yeah. some like sort of horrible sounding instrument that I don't know, it just, all in all, that is probably a good 15 minutes worth of the film because it so much stuff happens with this. Was it called a harm? Is it a harmonium, does she say? Uh, I don't, yeah, I think so. Something like the like little that. piano. It's basically thing, a yeah. piano. It just started to annoy me. Every time it appeared, I was like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, more of this, him playing with this shit piano. I, <laughs> I just think they, yeah. they could have shown that sort of internal struggle in a better way. You know, just that he had all these quirks already, as you say, forgetting how to pronounce some words and the, the language barrier thing's really good because that just mm. makes him look like an outsider and him wearing this like huge powder blue suit around mm. all these people that are just in like usual clothes. I just think they didn't need to add that on and it just yeah became irritating by the end. That's fair it, enough. It can be a bit, uh, what's the word like? It's a bit on the nose sometimes. Yeah, like symbolism I've, and stuff. I think that can sometimes be a problem with these kind of films where it's sometimes you get the vibe that the filmmaker thinks that they're doing something that you don't understand and they kind of keep pushing it. I think David mm. Lynch can sometimes be a bit guilty of that as well, where in these dreamlike films, they throw so much symbolism in it that they know that the general audience that's watching it aren't going to, you know, get everything. And Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think it's just a tricky game to play in that type of film. Yeah. After you've seen it, you kind of want to know what it meant a bit. Mm. Like yeah. a lot of these kind of art house films, like you want to kind of know why that was there. And you do notice it and it does make you feel a certain way, mm -hmm. but you don't quite know until you like look on the internet after. Uh, I didn't mind the harmonium. I didn't think it was that overused, was it? Like it's just kind of it in just... back scenes in the background I, th I think it's just like they wanted you to see it because there were sometimes shots where um barry would be speaking to someone and you couldn't see him you could see like the top of his head and the harmonium took up like the whole shot so it was like yeah obviously they're trying to say that it's a big a big part of his life and that he's hiding behind it or whatever but it just felt a bit too heavy i think by the end of it and like That's the lifted fair. weight of him finally getting rid of it and stuff it's just like oh okay like I watched an episode of Super Nanny the other day and she did this she did this metaphor where 
a woman who was a mum that had all this responsibility had like a bag full of pebbles and it was like this is all the weight that you're carrying around with you and it was just like that was shit in that and then it was even more shit when it was in a Paul Thomas Anderson film represented by a fucking piano you just want you just want someone to piss on the floor and (laughs) yeah i just want i was like where the fuck is rob schneider (laughs) did did you catch the uh the cameo from one of uh, adam sandler's friends and one of our friends jonathan lofran or lochran is in this film uh which i did not expect because i didn't recognize the voice but i only noticed when i went on like imdb after yeah that, isn't it? yeah me too i didn't notice it really at the time i expected uh at the start when he was on the phone to someone i was like i wouldn't be surprised if he'd like convinced paul thomas anderson to let him have like alan covert on the phone you yeah know, he was phoning the pudding mm. coupon people or whatever have you heard about the superman theory no a lot of people think for some reason that this is a a superman story <laughs> oh my god because he always wears blue and white and red so he's always wearing a blue suit and then he's trying to fly all over the earth using his air miles <laughs> and then he jumps from the balcony and lands in the street which apparently is like superman <laughs> and then finally when lena holds barry at the end her red dress resembles a cape oh my god <laughs> Jesus. So that's apparently that is... a big thing that people are that's bullshit <laughs> It's a it's a really weird one. His girlfriend's name is Lena Leonard, LL, like Lois Lane. Superman has super strength, does Barry? Yes. Yeah, he does have super strength, that's true. Because he, he breaks the handle of an unbreakable plunger, he punches <laughs> a bathroom door off its hinges, he slams a car door. Yeah, but so then hard. He, he can't get a soap dispenser off of the wall in that bathroom scene. That's true. He Maybe punched, it was made of kryptonite. <laughs> He punches a map into a concrete wall. It's very it just weird. makes the map scrunch up, though, doesn't it? He had seven sisters. So as a fan of astronomy, I know that there's a star cluster called Pleiades that has the nickname the Seven Sisters. What's up with that? Well, Superman has his origin in outer space. And whenever Barry is around his sisters, he freaks out. He can't control himself. His sisters represent his weakness. They are his kryptonite. Oh, for fuck's sake. This is the biggest load of shit. I've that is terrible. Read. The only thing that I've got in my notes that could add into this is one of the things he says to Philip Seymour Hoffman is, I have so much strength, you have no idea. That's good, exactly. Like Superman. Yeah, he has a and lot then, of strength. This is I fucking that's terrible. shit, isn't it? Does Superman ever go to Hawaii? No, but Adam Sandler loves going. This it must yeah. be his third film in Hawaii. One uh, of my notes is that this isn't Sandler's best film set briefly in Hawaii. <laughs> I'll stand by that. <laughs> Do you want to go yeah. on to our Sandler scale? Yes. I'll go first on the Sandler scale. Uh, I got on. one tick, which was nice. hit in the face. And that was when he walked <laughs> into a glass door at the start of the film. <laughs> Other than that, I had bald joke, Sandler scenes, no. reference to weed, no. Sony logo, transphobia, kids love him a sports team cap and Sandra has forgotten what is important to him and we don't get any of those no i mean it's a shame you didn't have sandler dancing because he does do a little dance in this yeah but no quite a nice little dance as well isn't it <laughs> yeah um i've i got three oh, but nice. i think two of them i can bet i'm i don't if I, i've got one and two um I'm properly pushing. So the one I've got is best friend he has nothing in common with, uh, Louis Guzman. Yeah, fair enough. Is he his friend? (laughs) He goes into the shop. And then the two that I'm contesting, someone speaks gibberish. 
there's a bit of gibberish in this film. Like every, a lot of noise. <laughs> I don't um, think that counts as gibberish. So. I'm sure that um, one of the parts where he shouts, there's probably some form of gibberish. You know, the bit where he's on the phone and he's like, give me the fucking number or I'll fucking kill you, you fucking slut to his sister. Yeah, that that's mean? horrible. There's probably some <laughs> gibberish. In it. Yeah, you said this guy's sympathetic and relatable, but I think he's actually... If you God, I got, it, when did I say it was relatable? <laughs> that's, what are you talking the about? He, he wanted to cut off uh, the woman's face. You were like, relatable. This is slander. Um, <laughs> Um, so my other one that would be contested was misogyny, because of the yeah. I think I think, I think you could get that. Yeah, and Philip Seymour Hoffman like is like shouting at all his uh, sex workers and yeah, film. yeah. I think there's um, a, a vibe of it. Uh, so yeah, ones I didn't get a fart. I can't believe I didn't get a fart in a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Human, <laughs> uh, injured animal, which I really thought I'd get. I don't know why. Yeah, I thought like. When he goes on like rampages, film. you'd think maybe an animal was going to get be on the receiving end of it. Just kill another raccoon, like in Sandy Wexler. <laughs> With his tire <laughs> iron. <laughs> <laughs> there's no nice property. Uh, he's not hitting the testicles. There's no big shorts. There's no sideburns or facial hair. Mm. Right, yeah. Uh, so where are you putting it? Are you putting it in the Sandler pit or the Sandler castle? It's a hard one because I do appreciate this film, but I think I would probably say pit. I'd probably say it have to go in the pit. This is it. It's no this Hubie it. Halloween. Our first week of uh, of me contesting because not only am I putting it in the castle, I'm throwing it in the turrets for me. Well, you think this is the best out of all the films we've watched? This is the best film I've seen of his. Except oh man, maybe it's definitely Jets. not. If we're counting the Sandler Pit and the Sandler Castle as not merits of quality, but merits of what a, a Sandler film should be, it'd still be in the pit. Doing. It'd still yeah, be in the right, castle, even. Right. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm gonna. I, luckily, no. I'm the one that edits this. So I'm gonna make it sound like you think you think cool. Definitely belongs in the pit. <laughs> um, what are we gonna do then? What do we do when we we're in this much of a disagreement? I think we should end the podcast. I've never speak <laughs> oh, again. I'd love to do that. <laughs> so I wouldn't say this is at the bottom of the pit, but I would say it's it's probably at the top of the pit of anything. But you think it's at the top of your castle. I would say that means that the compromise yeah. would have to be that it goes in the castle, but it goes in the dungeon of the castle. Okay, I agree. And it's there. It can go and in the dungeon of the castle. And it has to reflect on it, yeah. And it seems like a guy, he's got a, light, he's got a sentence. He's in, the, he's in the dungeons with quite a hefty <laughs> sentence. And the reason for those sentences is because he's pretentious. He's a drawn oh, out on, hour and a half. What are you talking about? It's not drawn unnecess- out. Unnecessary transitions trying to be arty, but also having... Adam Sandler jumping off a balcony and flying. With enough, stupid <laughs> things, enough stupid things happening in this film that people think it might be a Superman film. There's unexplained characters that are just obviously psychos. There's a, a character that's at the root of the film that you can't really root for, no matter how much Luke Thomas tells you he's sympathetic. The guy wants to slice his girlfriend's face off after his one date where he stalked her to another country. Hey, 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 hey. He doesn't want to slice her face off. Come on. He wants to smash it with a sledgehammer. That's what he says. Oh, sorry. She wants to, she wants to slice his face off okay. and eat his eyes. Well, there you go. So I think there's <laughs> there's more than enough reasons, but I would say to watch this for the interesting depiction of social anxiety and being yeah. stressed out and overloaded by craziness going on around you. Yeah. I think there's enough good stuff in it that I'm not sad that it's in the castle, but... I don't think it deserves to get out of that dungeon, no matter how much you relate to this guy. <laughs> For me, this 
is the exact opposite of that. I think it's a quick film that like goes by quite quickly. It's got an amazing central performance. The script is excellent. The direction's great. The cinematography is brilliant. Uh, John Bryan's soundtrack is really, really good. Yeah, I think this is definitely one where if you don't like Adam Sandler films, I'd still recommend it, but it is kind of a weird one. I wouldn't expect everyone to like it. So maybe you'll like it, maybe you don't. I would recommend giving it a watch. You said earlier that you wouldn't recommend this to people. And now 20 minutes later, suddenly you're recommending I've decided. it to people. Yeah, I want people I th- to watch I think it, it I've you've th- given it a scathing review. I would recommend watching it to make your own mind up. Yeah, I don't definitely. think this is a film people can tell you whether you're going to like or not. Yeah, definitely. You look really sad this week. Like You seem really deflated. I feel like you need yeah. to go back to his comedies next week. Because of this fucking film. Do you want to discuss our game? This game, which I guess we'll probably do for all of his serious films. We've got a game called Make Mine Madison, where we're going to discuss how we could turn this pretentious art house film into a classic Happy Madison comedy. Yeah. Uh, And I reckon it's... Basically, this is how we're going to get out of... This is how we're getting it out of the dungeon of the Sandler Castle and into the turret. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what would you name this film if it was a Happy Madison? I didn't even think about that. That's a really good... Have so, you got an idea for it? Yeah, so one of the the names that were was originally given for this film before they changed it was uh, Just Desserts, which I mm. think is good because the character just has loads of... We didn't even mention this in the review. He has like loads and loads oh, of puddings yeah, that, that he keeps good, buying because yeah. he wants to get airline miles. And I feel like that is more of a comedy title as well. What about Pudding Boy? Pudding Boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll call it Pudding Boy. That's way better. Just desserts so Pudding good, Boy. Because of that, you'd have to make the puddings a bit more front and centre. Definitely. And they've got to be branded. Oh, yeah. What's a brand of pudding? Instead of it being an existing pudding, it would be like, you know how Dunkachino was like a made up thing, but then they actually made Dunkachinos at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. So I think it would be like a, a Twinkie Dippened. Twinkie dip and suck or something disgusting like that. Where it's, like, <laughs> it's like a Muller corner, but you've also got a Twinkie that you dip in yogurt and then eat. I think you'd invent something like that for Pudding Boy. That's very good. A sort of tie-in would, product. Um, how could you make a pun from Twinkie? Like we had Dunkachino with Al Pacino. What would Twinkie have if you had a celebrity endorsement? Pinky Twinkie. And then it's the singer Pink. <laughs> advertising that's actually good yeah definitely pink could be in this yeah because of the time as well 2002 she'd be young and cool at that at that point so pinkies twinkies or twinkies pinkies or (laughs) either or really he can get mixed up pinkies twinkie dip and suck is the worst thing (laughs) i've ever so my first one for pudding boy my first note that i'd give um well get rid of paul thomas anderson he's a load of shit who would we? Who's his main director? Is it Dennis Dugan? Oh yeah, you could bring in Dennis Dugan. You could bring yeah, in Steve, getting... Steve Brill, or you could let Jonathan Loughran direct. Yeah, I mean, I've heard he wants to crack into the direction <laughs> game. So yeah, we'll get him to direct it. And the first note I wrote is uh, Louis Guzman. No, recast him as Rob Schneider playing a Mexican man. <laughs> That's my note. That was the last thing that I came up with as well. It's too obvious, isn't it? It would actually have happened as well. It'd be a lot more outrageous. His character thing would be he'd be constantly drive his forklift into things and they'd be like, what are you doing? And then he'd keep reversing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think that he would 
he would break stuff and keep trying to fix it with nacho cheese. That like he'd be- break that plunger and then try and glue it back together with like guacamole and nacho cheese. And it could be branded as well. Yeah, and they'd make jokes about how he came over the wall or he he came over the border. Yeah, definitely. Or something like that. So uh, Barry, uh, I think we can keep the name, I guess, unless you've oh, got yeah. a better suggestion. Just keep him and keep him in the dumb suit, but maybe make it a size bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so it's even wider and a bit and lighter shinier. i think a lighter color I think yeah, a light so powder blue and outrageously big shoulder pads he also needs a really stupid voice should he, he'd be talking like that mm-hmm. ah. one of my notes was that it would be so much better if adam sandler played all seven of his sisters yeah i wrote the same <laughs> i was thinking six women appear and then his seventh sister is played by a man I don't know who would... Yeah. Oh, uh, Nick Swardson. And then there's always jokes about how she's the beautiful one. <laughs> yeah, she, get, she gets all the boys or something like that. Yeah. Oh, you've always been the beautifulest one since high school. And then it's Nick Swardson. Like, and there'd be like five really badly photoshopped pictures on like the wall of her with all her different boyfriends. Definitely. And it would just and be one kids, of them would be a celebrity. with his face photoshopped. Yeah, one would be... Terry Crews. Yeah, and then at the end, Terry Crews would come back and he'd be like, and he'd be playing Terry Crews, the actor. And he'd be like, I've been thinking about you for years. <laughs> I want to get back with you. And Nick Swanson's like, oh, you. <laughs> I think as well, another thing you could do with Barry. So this film does it quite subtly and it doesn't fully explain what's actually up with Barry. There's just sort of suggestions that he's got social anxiety i think that if this was a happy madison film it would be very obvious that he would have maybe tourette syndrome so that he yeah could shout would be allowed to so they could make sort of make fun of this serious condition in a way that would probably annoy a lot of people but at the time it would probably have been okay then he could do the voices more and do the yeah and, and, and yeah it would be a really crass and bad representation of Tourette syndrome yeah and I feel like the pudding storyline would be probably the cent because you need a more central push in a happy Madison in pudding boy it's going to be all about how he wants to go on vacation and I think he would still call the sex line but he would just tell them about his holiday that he's going on Philip Seymour Hoffman would instead be Kevin James and yes uh, (laughs) he would be like this guy's talking a lot about this holiday he's gonna go on and then they would plan to steal his puddings to get his air miles Yes. So that could be the big thing. But in the end, they would become friends and go on the holiday together. (laughs) Like a dysfunctional friendship. Like over the top of the credits, it would be like pictures of them on different different places, like pushing the uh, leading tarapisa up and everything. In every picture, he's like trying to like mug a lady that's walking past and stuff like that. And then there's like Barry with his hands on his hips, like giving him a smirk, like, oh. Would you still have uh, Emily Watson in it? I definitely wouldn't have Emily Watson in it. No. I thought if she's she was, English, it wouldn't work. I didn't like her performance in this film very much. I feel like whoever we replace her with is going to be basically the same. It's going to be like a, a love interest who just loves Adam Sandler. It would definitely be a similar character, but without all of those crazy traits, maybe instead keeps on bringing him cookies to his work. And he's like, I don't want these desserts. I want my other desserts. I want, I want my body. Pinkies. Shit, Jack, fuck, fuck, shit, shit. Ah. Yeah. So what time did it come out? 2002. I think Jennifer Aniston, hot off the... You still think or... Jennifer Aniston? Maybe Angelina Jolie. Yeah. All right. That works well. I think she'd be up for it. I don't think I've ever seen her in like a really bad comedy. It's always got to be... Oh, what about Cameron Diaz? Yeah. Okay. That'd be good, actually. That sort of time. 
where would you put in a I'm going to look at my Sandler scale to add more where would you yeah. put a fart in this in this reimagining I think that it would be a really funny icebreaker if in one of the bits where he like smashes the window in anger because he's letting out all of his steam he just punches all the windows and then just farts straight after <laughs> when they're all like oh my god what an idiot why has he smashed that and then like one of the kids just to be like is no one going to mention that he farted <laughs> or something oh like my that. god that's perfect that's yeah good, that's isn't it hitting testicles i feel like when the brother comes up in the film and punches him that would definitely be a hit in the testicles moment he'd go for the face he'd be like no not my face and then he'd go for the testicles ah my wiener yeah and it'd be funny if all of those brothers were all played by david spade i was i was just (laughs) about to say exactly that because they're kind of like blonde men in this but yeah yeah, it would be funny if they were all just one had a mustache that'd be good (laughs) Big shorts. Maybe he'd have shorts with his suit. Yeah, when he's at home to relax, he's he's still got the top half of the suit on, but a pair of shorts on the bottom. I was thinking more like Cameron Diaz is like, come on, Barry, come to bed. And then he takes his trousers off and he's got some massive three-quarter shorts on underneath his suit. He's like, oh, I don't go, I don't go, I don't go deeper than this. What if it's those trousers that you can zip off and they're short? What if he has those? His suit trousers, the zip-off shorts. What other product placement besides Twinkies and other puddings would you have? I would have a running joke that one of the reasons that he's so twitchy is he keeps saying that he's got a Coke addiction, but you never see it. And then at the end, he's just ah. he opens a cupboard and there's just like 200 cans of Coke in there. That's actually a better joke than is in any of Adam Sandler's Netflix comedies. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. I'm also wanting some sort of weird facial hair. And my suggestion is I want a handlebar moustache. Yeah, I think I could buy that for Pudding Boy. I would probably have put Peter Dante as working in the supermarket. I'd have a moment yeah. where he's scanning all of the puddings and he's like, um, You got a party or something? <laughs> Geronimo, you put him with that pudding? He'd say something like that. And Steve um, Buscemi might pop up as well. What if he's a really good voice actor and he's playing the woman on the sex line? No, there's, they're going to have the sex line. It's going to be voiced by, I don't know, the same person who voices it here. And then they're going to do a cut and it's going to be a hand with like nail polish on putting down the phone. And then it's going to pan up and it's going to be Steve Buscemi. Yeah, <laughs> just sat there. that's really that would be really good. I'd love to see that. We want to set in the Sandlerverse. So I feel like yeah. a cameo of maybe one of the characters from Fifty First Dates. I'm thinking Sean Astin's character. He shows up at the parade in Hawaii. Yeah, that could be good. Oh, it would need to have a have happy ending. Else? This one has a happy ending. You need to have an actual ending. They um, get married. Yeah, in in Rome with the air miles and this officiated yeah, by um, Kevin James. Kevin James. Hoffman's <laughs> character. This would be the final joke of the film. He'd be in like the priest robes doing the speech mm. and Barry Egan would be like, hey, where did you get those uh, robes from? He'd be like, oh, I, I, I bought these at the uh, priest store. And then in the background, there'd be like a cupboard that would open and a naked priest would come out like (laughs) with loads of bruises on his face because he's been beaten up by Kevin James. I just want to add one more thing. At the end, he'll be wearing a very big tuxedo, but the tuxedo is going to be unzipped and he's going to have three quarter suit shorts on. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of these things could be things that he's selling, couldn't they? So at least there'd be like some slight reason why they're there. Trying to sell some... some, You... (laughs) That's a problem when you're in a wedding and and you and you want to be more comfortable, <laughs> right? So you unzip the suit trousers. Turn them into such shorts. 
So we get a time machine. We go back, rewrite Paul Thomas Anderson's oh. Punch Drunk Love and make it into Pudding Boy, which is this happy, happy Madison type film. My final question is, do you think that Sandler would still get a Golden Globe nomination <laughs> for it? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it yeah. Sounds brilliant, doesn't it? I, I think that that's a good film, though, Pudding Boy. I mean, you'd love it, uh, and I'd probably, I'd probably love it. Yeah, yeah I think you as, would well. as well. Who am I kidding? Let's not lie. I put, I put Hubie Halloween in the castle. I, I'll take anything now. <laughs> so technically, if we were to have separate arguments for this, you would have more films in your Sandler castle than me because you're more of a Sandler yeah. fan than me now because you you wanted Punch Drunk Love in there. I'd have put Big Daddy in the pit. So I conceded our, with you. So is that our compromise then, is that you get your Punch Drunk Loves as long as I get my Big Daddy? Yeah. <laughs> that should be the tagline for this podcast. <laughs> Luke yeah. Terry wants yeah, a Big that, Daddy. That was... <laughs> it could be you. <laughs> I'll do it as a little newspaper thing like in Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> get Luke Terry a Big Daddy. You're cutting out your coupons and that's just underneath it. <laughs> This boy wants a big daddy. <laughs> Is it you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was it. That was our first art house Sandler film. Yeah. And not our last. We've still got a few more. Rain Over Me, which I'm quite looking forward to. It sounds so dark for no reason. Rain Over Me is more of a drama than an yeah. art house film. So it's it's a more standard, sad drama film as opposed to being like an indie art film i'm very excited to see how the hell they pull that off so we're on instagram and twitter with the handle at the sandler pit and we're yeah. also on email the sandler pit at gmail.com could someone please send I us a, I an told email you, we've got to save them up though we're saving them up for the christmas special where we're going to delve into sandler's mailbag <laughs> so what film are we going to be watching next week on the sandler pit so we're going to be watching Mr. Deeds. Uh, Mr. Deeds. So I've seen Mr. Deeds before. I saw it quite a lot when I, I was younger. Lovely. Yeah. Um, I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. I've always seen... It's one of those where I've always seen the poster. But yeah, I'm quite I'm quite excited to watch it. So thank you, Joe Tyrone, for all your music. Thanks to Luke Thomas for his uh, artwork, if you could call it that. Oh, cheers. And thank you, Luke Terry, for your editing, if you could call it that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Sandler bye from me, and it's also a Sandler bye from him. Bye-bye. I would say that's that mattress, man. Now get the fuck out of here, pervert! Didn't I warn you? Th- that's that.